Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. Today, we want to explore the patient's perspective on dating and sex, in particular when it comes to facing erection challenges after a cancer diagnosis. We are joined by Michael Casson, who experienced the diagnosis of prostate cancer shortly after his divorce. We want to hear about his story and what we can learn about the challenges of erections when encountering challenging life circumstances. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. My pleasure. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself um, and your diagnosis? Okay. Uh, well, I will be 75 in September. At the time that the diagnosis happened, which was about 1996, 1997, uh, you can uh, take off about 25 years. So I was about 50 at the time. Uh, I was, as I think I've mentioned, uh, in the throes of a divorce. Uh, I won't go into the circumstances, but it was, uh, I, guess, I would say, an amicable parting. And I was looking forward since I had you know, been married. I was you know, now about 50, and I really was hoping for family. I was hoping that at some point that would uh, come along. And when I got the diagnosis of uh, prostate cancer and uh, the recommendation of a, of a radical prostatectomy, uh, it was kind of like, you know, who's going to want me now? Uh, how am I possibly going to get past this and have a family? Okay, so it, was uh, a pretty, it was a pretty devastating diagnosis at that stage of your life. But I want to kind yes, of just set the stage a little bit more and understand. So sure. after exiting your marriage, what was your outlook and your hopes for your next stage of life? You mentioned wanting to, to start a family. Um, can you yes. share with us a little bit more, though, of that of that mindset? What were you looking for from a relational perspective, from a sexual perspective? Okay, yeah. I mean, I as I said, since I have been married uh, uh, more than once previously, uh, and neither marriage had yield yielded a family. That was really foremost, especially since I was about fifty, and I was looking uh, not for casual dating or anything like that. I was looking to be involved in a in a serious relationship with someone who probably had been through similar things themselves in terms of divorce and you know perhaps ironically i i thought that i would probably remarry someone who had also been married and had had children from a previous marriage and might be looking to perhaps have one more child uh, that's not the way it turned out in my case i was kind of shocked because uh, my assumption at the time was no one who has uh, never been married would understand my circumstance, let alone accept me. And I turned out to be 180 degrees or wrong. <laughs> okay, but you, you were looking for, you know, a family and, and you had, it sounds like all but convinced yourself of who a suitable partner would have been uh, given your life circumstances up until that point. Right, um, yeah. But you were you were optimistic that this next stage of life would hopefully yield a partner that would be on board for you know um, establishing a family um, and hope to do that um, as you very mean, much so 
into your 50s. Now, Michael, how did you learn that you had prostate cancer? Uh, I, I think I had had some problems urinating. Uh, and so I was, was referred by my internist first to somebody in New York. And um, I was not, it, you know, it wasn't that I didn't accept the diagnosis. It was the way that the information was presented to me that I went like, do I want to put my life and my future and possibly a family into this person's hands? And that information came about as a result of somebody in my family who was uh, an anesthesiologist at a hospital in California. Uh, he was one of the first people I talked to. And he said, look, if you're looking at surgery, you were looking to make a very short but intense and life-changing partnership. And you want to be comfortable with whoever that partner is. And if you're not comfortable, you should not do your, your procedure at that place or with that person. That's This is not the time to mess with that. You should feel comfortable and you should feel that you want to go forward. So as I said, I had looked first at surgery with somebody uh, at a hospital in New York. And then I had talked to somebody about a uh, seed implant, also with someone in New York. And I just was not comfortable with either of those people. Uh, but then I, I heard about someone at Johns Hopkins. Uh, and I knew that they had an expertise in that area and in that surgery. So I went uh, with a friend, in fact, down to see this person and I instantly felt comfortable. It felt, yes, I could place my life and my future in this man's hands. So I said, let's go forward. Got it. So Michael, a cancer diagnosis in particular, when it has the potential to impact sexual function can really rock a man's confidence. Did yes. you experience this? Absolutely. The first thing I said to myself was who's going to want me now? In fact, I said it to my family. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a loser. Who's 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 going to want me? Who's going to see a future in me? Yeah, sounds like you were really kind of down on yourself, especially again, kind of coming off the that like optimism of yes. really kind of being yes. able to establish a family, find the right you know partner and whatnot. And now yes. you get really hit with this diagnosis, and it takes yes. you to this like you know dark kind of place of who's going to yes. want me? like how am I going to now? Yes, how did you overcome this? Uh, I made up my mind that I was going to go through it and not around it. And, and that somehow I was going to come out on the other side and things would be fine. Um, and so with that in mind, I said, all right, uh, there are going to be a lot of uh, uh, brick walls that I hit before I find the street that's going to take me where I want to go. So I just have to accept that that's the fact and this is the way I need to go. Yeah. So it sounds like your, your, your biggest concern with this prostate cancer diagnosis was that you would not be able to find a partner afterwards. Nobody would really yes. want you. Yes. Um, yes. And it sounds like that was weighing on you pretty heavily. Yes, it was. It was. In, in fact, in, in one instance, a friend, a very well-meaning friend had fixed me up with uh, a woman who, whose husband had recently died of cancer. And uh, she, I think, had a child through through that first marriage. And you know, I said to my friend, are you sure this person wants to go out with me? Does she understand my circumstance? And she said, well, yes, she does. I said, well, maybe what we should do is meet for lunch and talk a bit and, and then see if we want to go out. 
And so we did, we met and we talked and, and, and she was very pleasant and I was very open about what was going on. Uh, so, and it led to, you know, would you like to go out on another date? She said, sure. So we did. But on that, that second date, I got the vibe that there was something else going on in, in, in her mind. Like, do I really want to get myself involved, you know, in something like this with this risk, knowing what I've been through and knowing what he's been through. And I could kind of feel a pulling back. And I went like, you know, I don't think that's going to go away for this person. And I don't think this, this match is, is one that's going to work. So uh, she had wanted to go out a second time, but I said, you know what, in view of the circumstances, I think maybe that's, that may not be the right thing to do right now. Okay. And, and again, it's hard, hard to know if that was stemming from you stemming from her, but that was the headspace right. that you were in, which is, yeah. like, I don't know if I'm going to be the right match for anybody. So Michael kind of shifting back toward um, the diagnosis and treatment. So you mentioned that you were looking for the right kind of doctor until you landed on somebody at Hopkins. Now, what were the yes. treatment options that were presented to you? Well, again, uh, the treatment options uh, at the time were do nothing, which that was not an option for me. Uh, one was a seed implant uh, and one was the gold standard, which was a radical prostatectomy. And they said, look, you're a relatively young man. They said, uh, the, the person that I went to that ultimately became my surgeon said, uh, look, a lot of people who come in here are in their 70s and they're more likely to die with prostate cancer than of prostate cancer, but you're about 50. You know, you've got a good 25 plus years ahead of you. And under the circumstances, I would recommend to you that you probably should do the surgery uh, and we can, I don't know how far you want to go with this, but we can preserve sperm, freeze it and so forth. So that if you do want to have a family someday, you can do that. And as I said, you presented it in such a way that I felt like this is the right choice. Because at the time you really only had like three options, which is like, you know, wait, which nothing really means monitor and see how it progresses. Right. right. Um, seed implants, um, which, which um, you know, we're not going to get into at the moment. And then the, the third was the surgery, which I believe yes. ultimately is the route that you yes. went, correct? Yes. Now, were the sexual implications of treatment a part of your decision making? They were, but they weren't the primary. Uh, again, the primary for me was to survive this, to get past it successfully, and to begin the next stage of my life, which I hope would lead to a family, you know, remarriage and a family and so forth. Did you have any concerns about finding a suitable partner in the event of uh, challenges with sexual function? Was that part of your thought process or part of your consideration? Very much so. Very much so. I was concerned that even if someone was attracted to me, when we got to the point where, I mean, and, and as I'm sure you know, that it, you know, uh, erectile function doesn't necessarily return immediately. It took a while. Uh, so if that happened, uh, was somebody going to be turned off, put off by that? By, you know, it was my vulnerability going to become her vulnerability and saying, I'm not willing to go there. That's, that's, that's a bridge too far for this relationship. Yeah. That was a real concern. Absolutely. Now, Michael, I know this is a bit of a personal question. Um, obviously all of this is personal. Um, <laughs> um, prior to 
the diagnosis of prostate cancer. Um, had you ever experienced any pronounced period of a sexual function challenge, like erectile dysfunction uh, or premature ejaculation? Or was this the first time that you were potentially going to be facing a prolonged period of uh, sexual function challenge? It was, it was the first time. It was the first time up to that point. Uh, you know, from what I could tell, the, uh, the equipment was working pretty well, so to speak. Uh, my, uh, both in, in dating and in marriage, my partners had been pleased. There was never a, a, a question about that. Uh, and, and yeah, I was admittedly, you know, pretty pleased with myself and wondering what's going to happen now. How, who am I going to be on the other side of this and mm-hmm. who will want to be with me? Yeah. And that's, that's a question I think a lot of men ask themselves when they're faced with having to make these decisions. Will I be yeah. the same man? Will I feel yeah. like the man afterwards? Now, yeah. Did the diagnosis or treatment process delay dating? In other words, were you waiting for certain milestones to get back into the dating game? And what was that point, if so, that you felt comfortable to date? It, it, it didn't delay dating, but it may be much more cautious than I would have been. Uh, you know, I, I might... I thought that there might be, for example, an age factor there, you know, thinking that, well, first of all, I'm not sure that somebody my age would, would want to be married, well, certainly not to somebody in their 20s, uh, because I would think they would be expecting, you know, a life, you know, 50 plus years of, of, of a different kind of relationship, sexual and otherwise. Uh, 30s, I thought, well, maybe if somebody who was in the 30s was divorced, and perhaps had a child already, uh, they would understand, they, they, they would be more accepting of a, an exceptional circumstance like that. And in fact, I did go out with somebody like that. Uh, and, and yet, even with all of that and all the acceptance, it just, it just was not the right fit. And I was in fact quite surprised at, what, at who was the right fit. What turned out was someone that I had gone out with previously, like, you know, some years before before my my recent divorce, uh, who had never been married, never had children, but whom I, I knew pretty well, is the person I started going out with. And I thought like, I, wow, okay, well, let's see where this goes. I thought, well, maybe this is going to be something casual, but then it became something very serious. And uh, I, as I think I may have mentioned to you in the past, when we did exact, uh, find, uh, uh, ultimately get to a sexual point in a relationship and and everything worked. And as I had been told, and I had been told this by people who had been through the surgery, they said, the feeling's going to be the same. You will feel pleasure. She will feel pleasure. It's not about does this work or does that work? It's how you please each other and, and yourselves that's going to happen. And that all happened. And as I think I, I, I may have mentioned uh, at, at some point when, when you and I spoke previously, uh, when that happened, I burst into tears because I really wasn't sure that that, that was going to to be the case. Okay, so so Michael, can you can you fill us in just a little bit more of a timeline? Because every man is different with this, but I think our, it would be helpful for our listeners just to know. So, how long did it take post the surgery to regain sexual function and to regain sexual confidence? And I recognize that those may be two very different times. Right. I had the surgery, uh, and about I would say it took at least six months 
before I, I had what I would consider to be full or nearly full sexual function. And probably good a good year before I felt like, yeah, this this is good, this works, this is fine. Yeah, so it took it a whole other six months to really get the confidence back up and running, which yes, yes, you know, it, 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 that's a common occurrence that that a lot of times it is the uh, confidence that comes in last once you, know, you learn how to kind of retrust yes. um, your yeah. body um, and trust yourself in those settings. Um, and then I take it that you you know went on to have a healthy relationship. From what I understand, the two of you are married. Is that correct? Yes, yes, and have been married for over 22 years now. Uh, and as I said, that was a total shock to me because, uh, as I said, I this is someone I had known in my life. I had known previously. We had even gone out on a few dates here and there, but not ever at the level that we were at and with all of the things that we both were facing, certainly that I was facing, but also I, I felt like uh, she had not been married previously. I, I felt like, is she going to understand, you know, what I'm feeling, what's going on? And absolutely, she she has, uh, she understood and she still does. Okay, that is really, really fantastic. So, Michael, if I had to ask you just as a wrap up question, um, if you had to give one piece of advice based on your experience for men who are just at that precipice of starting to date again after exiting a relationship, either after a divorce, a breakup, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it's a loss of a spouse, and um, they are concerned about or are experiencing elements of a sexual dysfunction. Um, what what would you say to men who are in that position, hesitant about maybe getting out into the dating yeah. game because they are not so confident or not as confident as they used to be? I would say, don't be afraid to take the risk. Take the risk. Because if you take the risk, there's a chance that you will be surprised, as I was, and, and, and get into what you're looking for. If you don't take the risk, then you know for sure that that will never happen for you. Yeah, okay, that's a really powerful message. Michael, thank you once again for joining us. We really appreciate uh, you being just so you know, open, uh, vulnerable to talk about your experience. I'm sure this is going to benefit a lot of the listeners out there. Thank you. If this helps at least one more person out there, one more man who's struggling with it, then I will be very, very happy that I've done it because I vowed when I went through this, if I can make this easier for somebody else, I'm going to do that. And we hope that that message gets to you know way more than, than one or two men. Um, thank once you. again, thank you very much for your time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit ErectionIQ.com. That's ErectionIQ.com.